God's faithfulness and encouragement is important to us. He has proven over and over again how faithful He really is. Welcome to this podcast, Broken Vessels Mended by God. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm a teacher of God's Word, and I welcome you to this current study I'm in called The Story of Scripture, and I'm using Kristen Schmucker's book, Amen, The Story of Scripture from Eden to Eternity. You can buy a copy over at The Daily Grace Company. I love this book because it thoroughly explains the story of Scripture in a very simplistic way. And we are in Lesson 3, so welcome! Last time we looked at the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible, and how they point us to Christ. In this lesson, we will look at the books of history, where more of God's people are revealed, and more of His attributes are revealed, especially in the book of Joshua. In Joshua 1, 2, and 3, we learn more about God's faithfulness and His encouragement that still applies to us today. He reminded Joshua to be strong and courageous. Is that a message we need today? Yes, now more than ever before. The men of God were blessed by the faithfulness of Rahab, and we see how God would do wonders among the people through Joshua. We also see the significance of the Ark of the Covenant, which in scripture is the very name of God. This beautiful ornate piece of furniture was ordained by God and made by His people for tabernacle worship. Inside of the ark are the tablets of the Ten Commandments, a bowl of manna that rained down from heaven, and the staff of Aaron that bloomed. When you read Numbers 10, Deuteronomy 10, and Hebrews 9, you'll see that the ark represents the the name of God and His presence among the people. So, for God to order that Joshua take the ark and carry it before him into battle is truly remarkable. The enemy would see the glistening gold chest from a distance and be mesmerized by it, not fully understanding its meaning or representation. Today we Christians have Jesus, and there is no need for the ark anymore to go before us. We have God's law on our hearts and his name imprinted on us. So think about it. How should people see God's representation in us? Just as the enemy saw God's representation when the Ark of the Covenant was before Joshua. Shouldn't people see Jesus in us in the same way? The Hebrew name for Joshua is Yeshua. That's the same name as Jesus. So here we already see the connection of these books to Jesus. Please read the entire book of Joshua. It is quite amazing. God led his people to the promised land, just like he said he would do. That's God's faithfulness. In the book of Joshua, we also see the triumphant accounts of the fall of the walls around Jericho, the sun standing still, and faithful people like Rahab, ordinary people, used by God to further His kingdom. 
Remember, the ordinary doing the extraordinary is a very strong theme throughout God's Word. The Book of Judges This book of the Bible tells the story of the generation that made it to the promised land. You'd think they were eager to live a life pleasing to God, right, once they made it to the promised land? Well, unfortunately, Judges chapter 2 tells us that this generation did not know God, nor did they know of the amazing things God had done for his people. Isn't that sad? We read that when all the generation had gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the things which he had done for Israel. Many of the people in the previous generation failed to obey Deuteronomy 6. They did not teach their children God's word, and the results were catastrophic. What about us? Isn't that an important message for us? We must also remember that although we do teach our children the precepts of God and his word, it is ultimately God who opens the eyes and hearts of our children. In the book of Judges, the people did what was right in their own eyes. Doesn't that sound familiar? Unfortunately, when they did go against God's will, they ushered in the start of the dark time in Israel's history. The people had forgotten God's covenant promises and his commandments as they went after other gods. It's so tragic. We read this theme over and over again. And what did God say in Deuteronomy 28? If you obey him, you receive blessings. If you disobey him, you receive cursings. It's as simple as that. The people had a choice, but they chose poorly. God still desired to commune with his people. He loved them so, but their sins were so great, he could not be among them. So he sent judges to tell his people of his will. And the book of Judges tells the story of the consequences of great sin. What lessons can we learn from the book of Judges? How about the importance of obedience toward God, who is faithful to us, so we must remain faithful to Him? The book of Ruth, by far one of the most famous books in the Bible. Even secular writers, like the German poet Goethe, characterized Ruth as one of the most beautiful short stories handed on to us in all epic and idyllic literature. And it is just that, literature. Written during a time of the judges, this narrative is set during the time of the judgment of God. A famine was in the land. But this amazing story reveals so much about God and his character in that he remembered his people and showed mercy on them yet again. In Ruth chapter 1 we learn, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So the story really is about Naomi and her faithfulness and how she remembered the promises of God. But then later on the story becomes about Ruth and her faithfulness to Naomi and her obedience to Naomi. So the book of Ruth is a story of hope. 
and that God had remembered his promises yet again, and even grafted into the story a Gentile woman from a forbidden land. She represented the Gentile, the bride of Christ. Naomi represented Israel, the wife of God. Remember, in the Jewish wedding traditions, the father of the groom would choose the bride for his son. And God chose us for his son, Jesus. He is our bridegroom. In the story of Ruth, we are pointed to Boaz as the kinsman redeemer. He is our redeemer. In this beautiful book, we see the covenant promises of God fulfilled even during the apostasy in the time of the judges. This book points us toward the Messiah, the promise of Messiah in scriptures. God will bring to pass the promises he made in Genesis 3 and in Genesis 12. There will be a deliverer greater than Moses who will save us from his sins and God's wrath. Samuel as the book of Ruth ends, we are prepared for what's to come in the books of Samuel. The story of Samuel begins with his mother's prayer, one of the most famous prayers. Hannah showed great faithfulness during a trial. In 1 Samuel 1, she says, it says that she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. So Samuel was called by God to speak to the people. He was Hannah's son. And she obeyed, and she gave him over to God. The Israelites fell into temptation yet again and wanted to be like all the other nations around them. They wanted a king to rule over them. They used the Ark of the Covenant as almost a magic talisman that protected them. But the Ark was the name of God himself, not some talisman to be dangled before men. So God gave the people what they had asked for, a king. But not without a warning, he sent Samuel to tell the people, now therefore heed their voice, however, you shall solemnly warn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Samuel explained to the people of God just what their king would do to them. But the people wouldn't listen. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's just how we are today. The people wanted Saul because he looked like the king they had wanted, tall, handsome, and a warrior. They went by their eyes. What happens when we only go by what our eyes want? That's right, we fall into temptation. God gave the people what they had asked for, and their king Saul failed them. Saul became prideful and arrogant, and in 1 Samuel 15, we see an awesome portrait of just who Samuel is as he condemns Saul for his disobedience. In verse 22, so Samuel said to King Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed the fat of rams. Samuel announced to King Saul that his kingdom has been torn from him because of his disobedience. And then Samuel does what King Saul was supposed to do to the enemies of God. 
In verse 33 it says, But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked King Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Wow, don't mess with Samuel, that's for sure. So God gives the people the king he has chosen for them, a shepherd boy from the lineage of Boaz and Ruth. Amazing, isn't it? David had both Jewish and Gentile blood in his veins. Does that give you comfort? Here we have yet another foreshadowing of Jesus to come, a king slash warrior who would be victorious for the people, a kind shepherd. But we know today David was anything but perfect, and that's okay. Remember the theme, the ordinary doing the extraordinary for God. If David had been perfect, well, we would pray in David's name, but we don't. We pray in Jesus' name. David went through his struggles, that's for sure. And at the end of 1 Samuel, David is on the run from King Saul. Jealousy and hatred consumed Saul to the very end. Yet in Saul and David's complicated story, we see God's faithfulness to his promises yet again. 2 Samuel King David was definitely not like the other kings. He had a heart just like the Lord's. He made many mistakes, but his life and heart were filled with prayer and love for the Lord. After reading his story and the Psalms that he wrote, one can see just how personal his relationship was with God. The covenant God makes with David is full of important promises that paints a full picture of what he had promised Abraham. Not satisfied with the tabernacle tent, David explained to the prophet Nathan how he longed to build a place worthy of worship to God. But God had other plans for David's reign as king. God promised David that his throne would be established forever and his seed would build the house for God's name. How does that make you feel that God was so close to his servant David? They had a personal relationship. How is the covenant with Abraham and David's covenant so similar? King David was a flawed man who had made many mistakes, yet God used him in a mighty way to defend his kingdom, to write beautiful psalms of praise and worship that we use today. His responses to God's promises was praise and adoration, even during the darkest times of his life. Reflect today on God's faithfulness throughout your flawed life, and say out your own prayer of praise and adoration to God today. The Great King's Fall Unfortunately, like the rest of us, David fell into great temptation because he became comfortable. King David got lazy and had forgotten his duties as king of Israel. And as a result, he fell into great temptation with Bathsheba and committed many sins, including murder. The prophet Nathan gives a stunning rebuke of David, once again showing how personal and holy our God is. God instructed Nathan to tell a story to David, a story about a little ewe lamb knowing David's heart as a shepherd. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 it says, In this beautiful story we learn about a rich man who had many sheep, 
we came upon a poor man who only had one little ewe lamb, and he took that little ewe lamb and killed it, making the man and his the poor man and his family very sad. When Nathan told this story to David, David said, "Oh, if that if I knew that man, I would go after him and I would make him pay." Well, then Nathan turned to King David and said in 2 Samuel 12, verse 7, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I made you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if, it, if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. That's what God said to David. David was broken by his sin, and he returned to the Lord in repentance, and he wrote one of the most beautiful prayers of repentance in the entire Bible, Psalm 51. He wrote, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. I highly recommend you read Psalm 51. It is very beautiful and a perfect prayer of repentance that every Christian should know. King Solomon David is succeeded by King Solomon, God's promised seed to David. King Solomon loved the Lord and built him the glorious temple for his name. Solomon's love for the Lord was strong and his desire to please God was too. When given the chance to ask God for anything, he chose to ask for wisdom. King Solomon went on to be considered the wisest man on earth, and he built amazing structures all throughout the land, culminating in the magnificent temple of the Lord. Some historians claim it could be seen from miles away, glistening in the sunlight. Filled with gold, the temple housed the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies, where the high priest offered sacrifices for the people. In the books First and Second Kings, unfortunately, we learn, although King Solomon was the wisest man, he fell into sin. His heart was led astray from the Lord. He rejected the laws of the Lord and went his own way. Isn't that sad, even though he was the wisest man? And as a result, God was not pleased. The land would suffer terribly for centuries because of Solomon's great sin. How do the stories of the kings of Israel point us to Jesus? Well, remember, we see that they were ordinary men, broken men, but ordained to do God's works. How does this encourage you that God can also use you? I know it encourages me. When you see how King Solomon went against God's commands that are in 1 Kings 10 and 11 and also compare them to Deuteronomy 17, you can see why God was so angry. So far we've learned about the people of God and His plans for them. Ordinary people chosen by God to do extraordinary things. Both Jewish people and Gentiles coming together to form God's people. Isn't that encouraging? I know it is for me because I'm a very flawed person, and the fact that God can use me brings joy to my heart. Now remember, if any of these people had been perfect, well, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we do need Jesus, and so all of them point us to Jesus. Until next time, think about what you learned in this lesson about God and how you can apply it to your life and share it with others. 
What did you learn about the Bible that maybe you hadn't learned before? I'm so glad that you joined me today, and next time we'll look even further into the books of the story of Scripture. God bless.